right. Uh, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Tech Talks, where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff. Today's going to be a different, a little bit of a bend from tech. It, not, it is and it isn't, because we're, we're crossing the boundaries of tech while at the same time talking about what I think is probably one of the most fundamental soft skills, power skills, people skill, whatever you want, human skills, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about story time, storytelling, excuse me, story time is the name of the episode, I think. And I'm joined by Aaron Alpert. He has been on the show before, so he's a veteran to this. This is this is not new to him. He is with uh, Simple Show. So we'll be talking a little bit about what Simple Show does and how they take storytelling to another level, but we're also going to be talking about why this skill is so important and really what you can do to grow it because if you're playing really anywhere in corporate in learning in anything storytelling can be extremely valuable so as we get started here uh i'm going to go ahead and we're going to get people engaged we're going to do some fun stuff along the way like we always do so while you're joining in go ahead and comment and tell me where you're located and Aaron, I'm also going to, we were talking about this before we went live, but I'm going to ask you anyway, so everybody else knows, where are you right now? So I'm actually in sunny South Florida. Our um, U.S. headquarters is in Miami, um, but of course things have changed. So most of our team is, is remote now. There's only a couple people scattered through our office, but I do happen to come into the office because I live right down the street. <laughs> so, oh yeah because i so what's funny is i remember we were just talking about this a few minutes ago that last time the pandemic had actually just started and we were joking about you know i remember joking with you and paul about this we're going like how long is this going to last and you were both sitting on opposite ends of the office and that all and now you're back but how, so is the office less populated you said a lot of folks are just staying remote yeah, it's much less populated and luckily we've been pretty successful um, with our team and, you know, establishing, um, you know, rules for working remote and um, it's it's been going pretty well. So um, at the moment we haven't, you know, required anyone to come back, but uh, there, there, there's some empty seats here, so. Okay. <laughs> More room for you. And I think you were playing ping pong or pool or something with Paul before the last show. So you, you can get another pool table if you need to. Yeah, we got right. a table. <laughs> That's what it was. It was pool. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So for the icebreaker, the icebreaker is a different variation than, than usual this time. It's going to be fun because we're on the topic of storytelling. So, you know, we thought we'd open up the palettes. We'd make this a little fun. I have a feeling... We're going to have some fun with this along the way. So we're actually going to do tongue twisters to get our, you know, to get, make sure we, we can get this rolling and, and have some fun along the way. So I'm going to start with some easy ones and then they're going to progressively get harder. So Aaron, in addition to the fact that I'm not just asking you like a question to get to know you, we're going to see how well you can say your tongue twisters. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's start with this. All right, the first one is, and again, if you're watching and you have a really great tongue twister, feel free to comment in and maybe we'll even try and say it. But let's start with this one, okay? So, Unique New York, and you got to say it five times. So, Unique New York, Unique New York, Unique New York, Unique New York, Unique New York. Let's see if you can do it. Okay, uh, let, let's go. Three, two, one. Unique New York, Unique New York, Unique New York, Unique New York, Unique New York. Unique New York. Ooh. 
All right, I, I'll give you a, I'll give you a a C minus on that, Aaron. That that was a C minus. That was a C minus. You got to practice that one. All right, this one you don't have to do it five times. How can a clam? How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? <laughs> How can a clam cram in a clean cream cream can? A little you better. You're getting better. You're getting better. That was like, I'll give you like a B on that one. Maybe a B minus. Okay. This one, this one's, this one's hard. I'll see if I can even do it. Which Swiss wristwatch? This Swiss wristwatch. <laughs> Which Swiss wristwatch? This Swiss wristwatch. <laughs> we're going down we're no. going downhill on this we're going downhill on this all right <laughs> a little longer brisk brave brigadiers brandish broad bright blades blunderbusses and bludgeons balancing them badly <laughs> oh man this is gonna be an f i already feel it uh brisk brave brigadiers brandish broad bright blades blunderbuss and bludgeon balancing them badly <sighs> That was better. That was better than the witch Swiss wristwatch. This Swiss yeah. wristwatch. That that one's that one's tough. All right. And then the last but not least, and then we'll switch the gears into the discussion. I slid a sheet, a sheet I slit, on a upon a slitted sheet I sit. <laughs> Who comes up with this stuff? Uh, I slid a sheet, a sheet I slid, upon a slitted sheet I sit. Ooh. You know what? You get to you get to you get to go home with the A plus on that one because you landed. You, you know what? Might have been a little bumpy off the pommel horse, but you you nailed the landing. So I would say, well done, well done, Aaron, on that one. And thanks for playing along. <laughs> that was fun. All right, that was fun. That was fun. I agree. That was fun. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit because we're talking about storytelling as a skill. But also we're going to talk about how does that then translate into not only just in words, but also in images, which I think is taking storytelling to a whole nother level. But before, while I remember my conversation with you and got to know a little bit about you, people who may be watching or listening may not necessarily know your background because while you're at Simple Show, head of, what, what's your role at Simple Show again? I'm the creative director at Simple Show. The creative director, right? So the creative director of Simple Show, but... You also had history in film and theater. T tell me a little bit about what ended up bringing you to Simple Show and how that background ties to storytelling. Yeah, so I actually have a film background. So um, as, as a kid, I always wanted to be a filmmaker and, um, and script writer. Um, but as I got into the industry, I had a bunch of one-off roles here and there. And I was finding my footing in the industry um, until... A friend of mine came up to me and was like, hey, like I'm working for this company. They make explainer videos and, uh, you know, they need a writer. So why don't you come on board and be a writer? At the time, there was no company. We were working out of his mom's house. Um, he was the sole native English writer for the, for the German uh, branch of the company. And the U.S. part of the company hadn't been established yet. So he brought me on board and I was able to use my, um, my knowledge and script writing and storytelling to uh, bring some of these complex topics to life. But it's kind of one of those stories where um, you kind of, you know, you don't, 
you end up somewhere completely different from where you expected. I think most people here in learning and development, you don't really grow up thinking like, hey, I want to be a, a trainer or I want to, you know, be in, okay. be in learning, right? So I, I kind of just, I, it fell, fell in my lap. Okay. Got it. So, and so was that something as a, I'm, I'm just, again, we're going to trip down memory lane a little bit here, but was that something that growing up that you just, you had a tendency towards that? I mean, what ended up gravitating you to kind of the creative side of, of script writing, that, that element of things? Um, I think it was just, you know, uh, observing things and, you know, really like, you know, it's the, the emotional part of storytelling is so important. So you have to have that kind of emotional intelligence, understanding people. Um, and when I got, I just wanted to be in film uh, production. And it just turns out like through my courses that, you know, that, that script writing was where I excelled the most. So um, okay. I kind of followed that route from there. Okay. So it actually started in the writing of it. Was it taking the story and actually turning it into the script of it? Okay. So then, and, and also just for folks who may not know, let's, let's unpack a little bit what this is. And we'll talk a little bit more about how this has shifted because what simple show has done as an organization is, has continued to kind of evolve. Last time we talked, we focused pretty heavily on my simple show, which is the self-service tool that actually helps you create animated videos from a story, but there's also the full service side of things. And so in a, in a, 30 second elevator. If, if you're going up to the top of a building with somebody and they say, you work at simple show, what does simple show do? How do you describe it? Um, I would say that we, um, we make um, topics as simple as possible, but as complex as necessary. And we could either do it for you on the full service side, or you could do it yourself using our um, animated explainer tool. So, I mean, I mean, that was like 15 seconds. So, um, you could go good. up the yeah. elevator to like, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. even get to the top on that. Okay. So really that's interesting. So I, I, well, what's funny about it is taking your complex topic and is making, what did you say? As simple. As I, I like the way you phrased as, it. As simple as possible, but as complex as necessary. We understand that there's, okay. you know, you don't want to overly simplify, you know, topics for certain audiences. Um, so that's why, you know, as complex as necessary, but as simple as possible where, you know, you really, we really look at each and every word. We make sure that there's, you know, it's not overly detailed. There's no information um, that's not necessary in an explanation because that's when you start to lose engagement from the audience when you're throwing okay. random things at them or you go off track, right? So as simple okay. as possible, but as complex as necessary. Well, and what's what's funny that you bring this up about it, and, and this is the part that I want to dig into a little bit more as we as we start unpacking storytelling and what that really means. Because again, I, I hear in corporate that term gets thrown around a lot. You know, we need to be better storytellers. And we don't I don't think everyone always understands what do we mean when we say that? Like what actually makes a good story and how do you actually make a good story with that? Uh, but you know, as you as you look at that. There is this tendency, I feel like, when it comes to stories or when it comes to anything, it turns into a Franken story. And I think that's what you're getting at with the, you know, well, oh, yeah, we should also tell people this. And, hey, why don't we, while we're at it, we tell this. And pretty soon you've got yourself a, a pretty atrocious story that is impossible for people to follow. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, there is a science to it to a certain degree. Um you know, there, there's a flow to a story that, you know, every good story kind of follows a similar pattern. 
Um, and then, you know, it's interchangeable. The details within the story can be interchangeable and, and you could tell a story in many different ways. Okay. So let's break that down. Like, let's actually take some time to break this down. Cause I think this is all going to build. We'll, we'll use a, we'll use a learning and development turn. We'll scaffold this conversation by laying the framework and then we'll build on top of it. But when you actually look at, well, let's first define it. So when, when you think of storytelling, as a skill, not like telling a story, but when you hear storytelling as a skill, what actually is storytelling to you? How do you define it? Um, so there's a, you know, there's a couple of different ways, right? So there's like the personal storytelling where I might tell you a story about myself, um, but there's also in, in communication, um, like forming a story, creating a story around your content or information that you want to get across, right? So um, I kind of forgot the question exactly, but. Um, well, so like, how do you define it? Like when somebody says, what makes up a good story? You know, how, how do you answer that question? Cause you said there's a science to it. So there's some elements that's not just, yeah. Cause I think sometimes people are like, you're such a great storyteller. And it's like, but what is that? What actually makes a great story? Yeah, yeah, I would say, um, one of the, the key points is really like understanding your audience, right? So um, you don't want to, to you want to just give them just the right amount of information um, to get their engagement. So for the target audience, um, you know, it's reading the room, right? So I'm not going to, you know, go into detail about something that might go over their head that they might not understand. So, so I think one of the, the key components is, you know, definitely understanding your audience, um, also, you don't want to go too far into the problem um, because I guess we could talk about the structure of the story a little bit. Um, but, you know, the, the first thing you want to do is kind of introduce the problem before you start talking about the solution. Uh, but if you go on and on and on, I see it all the time. People want to talk about the problems in the industry or the problems that, you know, someone might have in their story. You start losing the, um, people's engagement there already as well. So you kind of want to, like, move a story along quickly. Um, but a, a good story um, really pulls the strings of the audience um, and is tailored to them. So that's that's uh, the simple answer. Okay. Okay. So let's, we're, we're, like I said, we're going to sit and break down. We're going to have a lot of fun with this because I also want to talk about some of the like <laughs> where storytelling goes wrong because we've all had that person. I, I, and if you, if you don't know this person, you are this person, just yeah. FYI, is the person that we, we've all known this person who thinks they're a really great storyteller and they tell lots of stories, but they aren't really stories that anybody wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so right, like, well, I want to unpack some of this because I think this, like I said, this is an important life skill. And if we can break this down, we can actually hopefully help people get better at this ultimately can contributing to, okay, so how do we do this in corporate learning and development and all this other stuff? But on this one, so the audience piece, because I'm thinking back to your Hollywood days. I, I'm, I'm going to call you like Hollywood Aaron from now on. I think it's going to be part of it. Um, is when you think back to that, as you look at the audience piece, kind of figuring out who your audience is, is, and I think this is one of the challenges that we deal with in corporate learning and development, is that sometimes 
you may not know your audience specifically. You may not necessarily be targeting a specific audience. And since with the service side of your business, you're doing this, you're working with organizations who say, hey, we have this information, we need to get it to this group, but there might be tremendous diversity in, in that audience. So like, how do you how do you recommend people figure out what is that right level? Because you could almost get too specialized in a story where it's only gonna reach a fraction of a percent of the population because you've gone you've dialed in too deep versus hey we're just going to go big and hit it wide yeah i think um you know for for a wide audience you really want to broaden this the scope by um by you know generalizing things using common um common ways to um pull up at people's emotions something that everyone could relate to i think those are you know a, a few things that you could do um and really, uh, that, that is a challenge. I see it all the time. Um, and I see it more now, you know, like I think in, 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 in the Hollywood days, um, you know, I think you, you want to reach everyone. That's, you know, pretty much you want to reach, reach the largest audience possible. Well, yeah, because in Hollywood, you're putting together a movie. And so your goal is to obviously capture the attention of the masses. But in a corporate setting, if you're like, hey, we're rolling out a new return to office policy or, you know, how do we put together this widget type of a thing? That's not necessarily going to be targeted at everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So again, um, when, when we're talking about a large audience, you want to broaden the scope. So if it's about, you know, you want everyone to return to the office um, and you want to create some, some, uh, content around that right maybe a video um i think would be a good idea <laughs> why, why it would be why it would be important for everyone to return in the office um maybe you know we could tell a story about someone who's working remote and might be isolated even though everyone might not feel that way um those are emotions that people you know understand as well so um bringing people together to you know formulate the story from there and then now that everyone's in the office you know we we're working better together, you know, really going to the why of um, being in the office might, you know. So I want to talk about this emotional piece because I was actually in a discussion this week talking about this. And this has become common territory now that used to be very uncomfortable territory for a lot of folks talking about the squishy emotional side of things in the corporate setting i mean I, I even remember being in a meeting a while back it was a while back but it was like leave your emotions at the door this is work and i never agreed with that statement but even now i think what i've seen in 2020 and beyond is we're actually seeing this kind of emotional side of things come into play much more so you, know, you talk about having that emotional connection why from your perspective why is that such an important component to the story yeah, well, as emotional beings, we um, we we automatically connect to different emotions. Uh, that, I mean, there is science to it. I can't speak um, to the science exactly, but um, but part of your brain, right? When you um, once you hear someone else's story, it tickles a part of your brain that you feel, you know, that emotion as well as you're recalling that that emotion, and that's what gets your your engagement going um, when someone's telling the story. So that's that's. That's the key part. I mean, you really want to, you know, get their attention right away if you're telling someone a story. If not, if they miss the first part, they might miss, you know, the entire um, context of the story, right? So, um, so the emotional part is is very important, and you don't, you know, have to be too specific. You could be very general, 
Um, you know, people are confused about this. And now, you know, with this solution, um, you know, we're, they're, they're not as confused anymore. It makes their job a lot easier, right? So, so people who are watching this video or reading this document, um, they might be like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I am a little confused about that. So this is, you know, like they're, they make that connection with the content. You know, it's interesting over the years of doing this uh, and learning, uh, having, because one of the things that I try and do on the professional side is I actually try and spend a fair amount of time talking to the workforce, right? Going out. So for people who are in l and I, I actually made a post about this several weeks ago where it's like, if you're not talking to your audience, you're missing out because you're missing not only a massive data source, but also uh, some real help in understanding what's going on and a, and a greater empathy. It's amazing in talking to employees how frequently they feel, going back to this point of why does the emotional piece matter? One, it's the hook. It's the hook, if I'm hearing you. It's the hook that actually kind of pulls you in. But the number of times I've heard people say, I have no idea why this matters to me. I can't relate to it. There's no context. You know, whatever whatever words they use to describe it, that is so often a missing link in we're, we're so busy trying to tell people the what we forget to tell them the why. And when we do that, I've seen just time and time again, it just just goes right over their head and they miss the whole piece. And I think that you, know, you tell me just in you're writing way more stories than I have with what you're doing there. But I have to imagine that contextual piece I have to imagine you get people that come and go, hey, here's all the stuff people need to know. And you've got to kind of pull out of them the why. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a very good point. That's, you know, really one of the most important parts in, in, in getting an engagement, right? And engagement is what leads to, um, you know, to, to retention and people start, you know, remembering the information and, and retaining, you know, the, the what is because, they're engaged and they're listening and they, and they understand why it's important to them. So, um, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Okay. So we talked about the kind of the audience analysis piece. And again, I think you, know, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you could probably go as broad or narrow as you need to with that. It's just really about, if I heard you correctly, it's about actually analyzing and figuring out who they are. It's not necessarily you have to have one specific audience type. It's just a matter about taking the time to figure out who that group is. Is that is that a fair assessment on that end? Because obviously you're writing Hollywood movies to masses. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't one necessary persona. Yeah. The more you can narrow it down to a certain group, um, you know, that it makes it easier, right? The broader the broader the audience it makes it a little bit more difficult to ensure that they're all engaged throughout. But um, I think naturally we're always reading the room. I mean, when you're talking to somebody and just in a conversation, you're explaining, you know, um, how, how, you know, your day went or something to, to somebody like they might not know everyone that you interacted with. So then for, to that person, you would want to go into a little bit more detail on who this person is and, you know, who this colleague is that was giving me problems today or something, you know? <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, so then we got that. Then we broke down the piece about kind of the whole contextualizing the emotional side of things. One of the other ones I'm curious what you've seen, and I, and I've got a perspective on this. So, so this will be a back and forth, but I have to imagine in the role you're in, you probably get a lot of people that come to you with stuff like a lot of information. And it's like, here's 
387 pages of context. Can you make that a five minute explainer video for us? So I'm curious on your side, how do you actually break that down? Like, what are some of the things that you can, cause this is tough. And sometimes it goes back to your phrase that you said before, and I'm going to memorize this by the time you're done. Simple enough, something, whatever that one is. Right. But like, how do you find that right degree of complexity? Because that is a balancing act that I would say many struggle with, especially in our industry. We're dealing with this all the time. So we have subject matter experts coming to us going, hey, here's this 387 page PowerPoint deck. Can you go deliver this? And we're left going, okay, we got to figure out what in this is even relevance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're right. I see that all the time. And the more content we get, probably the more stories we would um, create from it. Um, but if they really, um, we're adamant about making it. Um, we our videos are, are typically three minutes or less, but um, but if they wanted to make that one explainer video, we would really. It, it takes a lot of work. It's not it's not easy, but um, a lot of back and forth with, with clients about you know what the key points should should be highlighted. And um, I think you know you were going to ask me about this later, but using visuals, you could say a lot using visuals. So. We might not have to um, script each and every word or each and every detail, but using some simple visuals, you could say a lot more too. So that's um, part of animation. And then we also chunk things up. I think we spoke about this a little bit on our last our last call, uh, our last meeting, and um, we chunk things up and we create interactive experiences as well, where you know we have different chapters, different stories throughout, and try to tie it in with you know some some key elements into one learning module. Okay. So you're breaking it down, not necessarily cutting everything out. It's, it sounds like it's kind of a mix of the two. It's, it's the actual breaking it down, but then also cutting some of the pieces out of it. Fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. And I, and I think this has been one of the things that continues to be, I, I don't know that in our industry, you're ever going to get over this because I know for myself, you st I still deal with this where you get tons of information and it's figuring out how to break it down to the complex. So on the visual side, because that's a big part of what you're doing with Simple Show is you're actually not only just figuring out the scripting piece, but before actually, you know what, I'm going to take a step back because I actually am curious about this on the language side. When it comes to writing it, how I have to imagine you're doing some of these on very complex topics how much does the language that people are using matter and how much time do you spend actually simplifying the language out of that? And are there any best practices you have for how to actually make the language resonate best? Yeah. So, um, we find ourselves working, uh, with pharmaceutical companies quite a bit and sometimes they need to explain things. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of complexity there. I spent a good time in pharma. There's a lot of complexity there. Yeah, and sometimes we're explaining, um, you know, how a drug might work to the entire company, right? And then that's when you really have to dumb down the language to something that everyone could understand. Sometimes we're we're explaining that same thing to just the sales team, and the sales team might have um, a, a pretty good level of knowledge, not a PhD level of knowledge okay. in the field. So we we need to work with them to find that middle ground of like what, you know, what they might already know and, you know, and, and what might be the most digestible route. And then sometimes we're even explaining things to lab technicians and, and other, um, you know, other professionals in, um, within the organization that have a much higher level of knowledge. And then 
we just have to do a lot of research on our own to um, to make sure that we have a thorough understanding of the type of um, verbiage that's being used throughout. But a lot of times I see that, you know, they're like, oh, you have to say it like this, or you have to say it like that. Um, but there might be a simpler way to say it. So, you know, so sometimes, you know, you really want to like take a step back. But because we're coming in with a fresh perspective and we're learning this for the first time, um, it, it gives us a unique perspective, right? Because we could, we're learning it, so we, we get to um, kind of turn that experience around and, and explain it in a, in a simple manner. Okay. So let me, let me, I want to, this one's an interesting one, and I want to talk a little bit about this because I do often see the tendency, and I don't know where it comes from, so I'm curious if you if you deal with this, especially you, you talked about it from a pharma standpoint. I feel like I see this in a lot of places. I even, you go on LinkedIn, you see this happen all the time where People are using intentionally really big, complicated words. We're describing things with lots of corporate buzzwords to fill in the gaps type of stuff. It sounds really fancy and it may make people not necessarily really, they might just nod their head, but really they have no idea what you're talking about. But there can be a real resistance to changing that. And sometimes trying to make that, trying to push the, hey, we need to make this more simple. I, I don't know about you, but like I've gotten pressure back from that because people actually almost feel comfortable saying, but this is really complicated and they don't necessarily want to simplify it. I'm just curious how you manage that or what are some of the things that you've done? Because I've found, I, I personally do not think the complexity adds anything to the conversation. If anything, it just makes it more difficult. Yeah, no, I I, I understand what you mean and it's it's definitely... Um, it, it definitely happens often, right? Where these certain buzzwords have to be used and, and I don't really understand them completely and, and the audience probably doesn't understand them completely. <laughs> but so, they want to pretend they do because they don't want to admit they don't know what you're no saying. So they, oh yeah, mm-hmm, that sounds great. Neuroscience and artificial intelligence machine. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, and that happens, I think, uh, particularly in tech. Um, uh, you know, these buzzwords are um, go over people's heads. So, I mean, what we try to do is, you know, ex- we try our best, you know, we go back and forth, but another thing that really helps is finding the, that right visual or combination of visuals that could also explain it, right? Instead of just, you know, like a, an icon of a user, maybe you want to explain, you know, a little bit more about like how that user might be integrated into the system using visuals or something like that. Okay. It's interesting. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think it's a it's a solid recommendation and strategy on this point, which is, you know, when because sometimes you can't win. Like sometimes there's just no way to win that conversation. And so what you're saying is when you run into that, the visual can be a representation to say we know nobody's going to have any clue what's being said right now, but at least we can find this visual that then shows what we're saying to help people contextualize it. Yeah, sometimes when you struggle, you know, explaining something to someone, you're like, all right, let me just pull out a piece of paper and a pen. You just draw it out to them or something, you know, direction, for example. Um, but yeah, I think a, a simple visual can do a lot uh, when you're when you're communicating. Okay. Okay. So I want to go from there. So we talked about the audience. We talked about kind of the language behind it, the emotional piece. I do want to talk about the structure. We can kind of talk a little bit about the structure because I've heard, I don't, are you, I cannot, and I'm not going to Google it because then I'll get distracted during the conversation. But isn't it something like there's only like eight stories 
really in the world or something like that. And then there's just different variations of eight store. I cannot remember what the statistic is, um, but isn't it something like that? Yeah, I, I mean, it is something like that. I don't know the, the exact statistic either, but I, I've heard it before. And um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of the stories that we see and we hear are, are very similar. They're similar um, beginning, middle and end to, to these stories. Um, but, you know, the characters or the context might change, right? Okay. Okay. So then on that, as we, as we shift over to what you do at Simple Show, which a big part of that is now not only taking this, because again, I think there's a lot of the, the art behind even getting the story straight, getting the structure straight, figuring out your audience, figuring out what is the right degree of complexity behind this. But then now we're adding in this visual layer to it on top of it. So now you got this whole visual side of things. Talk to me a little bit about that in that sense, because it's one thing it's one thing to tell a good story. It's another thing to show a good story. And that's now adding another layer of, you know, simplicity, while at the same time, complexity to storytelling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can speak to that quite a bit. Um, so I think, you know, people, there's that saying a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, but we like to say that like a, a simple illustration is worth just the right amount of words. So sometimes a picture, <laughs> sometimes a picture just has too much data in it. So people, uh, they ask us all the time if in, in their video or in their module or in the tool that you could just upload your own image and they want to put an actual picture, but there's so much data in that picture. Like just, if I picture you right now, there's a plan in the background, there's some artwork, there's a lot of other things, but if we're just talking about Christopher, Maybe you're talking you about to... Fred? You're talking about <laughs> Fred over here? <laughs> <laughs> but if we're just talking about Christopher, we might want to might not want to use this picture, but maybe the scribble that we created for you um, that's in your signature. So um, that's you know that's why I think simple using simple images helps quite a bit. It, they stick in your memory. Um, it helps you know retain the information, um, and a person could could. Uh, if they see a simple image, um, they can recognize that image in a split second. Um, but when you when you're talking about a block of text, they have to read you know read that block block of text, and it takes you know seconds, multiple seconds. So um, so I would say yeah, simple images are definitely um, a good so way. that I'm actually yeah I want to go deeper on this one because it is one of the things that's interesting. So I'm familiar with the videos you guys put together in terms of not only the tool itself but the videos is you do have these, right? Like you said, they're simple animations. They're simple doodles in some regards of things. And I was curious about that in terms of if that was intentional or accidental, because it sounds to me like that's an intentional choice to say, yes, we're going to do a visual, but we're not going to draw or bring in an actual real picture for a reason. Is that accurate? Exactly. Yeah. So um, that and that's because what I was saying, like the human brain um, could recognize, uh, you know, a simple image and and connect the dots themselves in their own brain. So you, you could say less if you're using simple images. Right. Um, and something, you know, like more robust, like a like a picture or or video footage or something like that has a lot more data in it that might cause further distraction and, and not really focus on the key points that you're trying to get across. Okay. So let me ask you this, cause this is one of the things, so I've, 
I've got a lot of different directions I want to go with this. So we'll see we'll see how many we get through in the like 20 minutes we have left or whatever. But on this one, I remember when I first started doing work with animation in learning and development and some of the challenges that I occasionally got that I had to overcome was it was perceived as cartoony. I will never forget the first time that I brought in animations into things and people said Oh, those are cartoony. I don't like I that's not professional. That's not corporate. And I really had some work to do to help bring people along for the ride to say that's on purpose. Like there's a reason behind that. So I'm curious if you ever I mean, obviously, people are coming to you for animated videos, so they may be further along. But I'm just curious if you ever run into that where they they almost want to sterilize some of the fun out of it versus say no no this is designed to be simple and fun and engaging in that sense yeah i mean you you pretty much answered the question for me you definitely have some experience um, <laughs> in, in the field and, and um you know i'm really speaking about the importance of, of the simple imagery um we do you know add add some color accents as well um we you know we, we even have, um, we could even make custom images for, for people. But um, in regards to just communicating uh, the importance of simplicity, it's like we just, you know, really want to focus on the key points. It's not really about the image. It's about the message. So, um, you know, this is the way to, you know, really get people engaged throughout because there's less distraction. There's less color. There's less flair. So our, our, our simplistic black and white style is always, you know, something that um it, it we push and it's still our most popular um you know yeah i was, I was even going to ask from a color standpoint because yeah. again, you know you talked about the fact that okay so let's say we put a picture my my picture in something the possibility is somebody gets distracted by the united states back here they get distracted by fred in the corner and oh he has earbuds in right suddenly that becomes a distraction versus the animation but now what you're talking about is even to some degree color can actually serve as a distraction versus it, I, it just is interesting to me that your black and white is actually still one of the most popular, even though from a flare standpoint, it may not necessarily be as like in your face, but that might be again, be an intentional move. Yeah, exactly. You know, any, any additional data that doesn't help the explanation can be a distraction, right? So um, like that's, Pretty much, you know, the simple answer. But if you just have like like one singular color accent throughout, I think you know clients come to us all the time and they want custom illustrations or they want um, or they want to add color to um, you know to, to their images. And, and sure, like we could absolutely do that, and that's a branding thing. And you know, um, but sometimes too much color could just add more data that's not necessary to a simple explanation. And um, I guess, you know, maybe we're kind of going away from storytelling a little bit, but. Um, but in a way we're, we are, but we aren't. Cause I think ultimately this goes back to, and I actually did a talk earlier this week and, and the term I used was relentless intentionality, right? It was about being relentlessly intentional about what you're doing. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about, which is an important characteristic of a story is what are you trying to do and then what's the best and simplest way to accomplish that? And don't let the other things distract, which actually I think does tie into what we're talking about from a storytelling, which is if you're trying to tell this story, you're trying to communicate this very complex subject, is adding this color 
adding to that story, adding to your objective, or is it actually taking away from it? Is it actually pulling your attention in a direction you actually don't want people's attention drawn? Yeah, I think uh, that that's a valid point. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes color is necessary, um, but only when it really helps the explanation. And if you, if you are using color in your, in your story, um, I would recommend, you know, one accent color and not like a dozen colors throughout, right? <laughs> you know, like, like have a unified look and feel, um, you know, that might be a little bit flashier. People might get bored of seeing the black and white things over and over again. So adding some color to it, um, you know, and then we, we also have a range of different illustration styles that could be a little bit more serious and less cartoony. Um, but, okay. but yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the black and white is still the best way to simplify something and to get a message across in a simple manner. Well, and it, and it goes back to, I just continue to think about this kind of being intentional about what you're trying to do. And again, for anybody watching that's in learning and development, or I mean, I know we have marketing people, things like this. It can be easy to get sucked up and distracted with the, ooh, I like this, or I do that, versus, hey, what are we trying to accomplish here? And, and how do we remove all of the noise, or as much noise as possible? Which even I think from a user experience design standpoint, whether you're designing a visual for anything, whether it's an animated video or anything like that, your point of, well, if you have 37 different colors and nine different fonts and, you know, a bunch of different mediums of things going into here, it's actually adding confusion and noise to the message you're trying to convey to someone, which is actually pulling them away and actually reducing that. And the other thing, my, my wife tells me this all the time about some of the stuff that I do where she's like, you understand what you're trying to do, but nobody else has all the context you do. So while you may look at that and go, oh, I picked this color and this color and this, they don't know that. And so to them, then it becomes a distraction. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, so let me, let me also ask you on this one, when it comes to the visual stuff, because you talked a little bit about the simple visuals and how do you communicate as directly as possible with whatever it is. So I, I'm looking right at the cool chalkboard design. I, I need a background like you have, honestly, like this is Fred in the US is boring compared to what you have. Yeah, good grief. <laughs> you guys did my email signature. I need you to redo my branding. The, the thing you guys did with my with the show this week was fantastic as well. But, um, you know, with this, when it comes to the visual side of things, I think there's also always this potential for trying to push it to be too specific. And, and you've pro I have to imagine you've been in conversations like this before where it's like, no, can you make it? I'm thinking of like the, the little guy holding the megaphone behind you. Like, can the megaphone be in his right hand instead of his left hand? And can be, he be wearing shoes with shoelaces and, and that kind of stuff and trying to get it so perfect versus saying, hey, does this generally communicate the concept we're trying to communicate? How do you walk that line? Because we talked about it a little bit with color, but I think there has to even be that kind of intentionality behind the very object that you're referencing. Yeah, so I guess, so, so the question is, how do we find that? <laughs> yeah, like how do you strike that right balance? Because you talked about the fact that sometimes you'll do custom animations. And, and when do you kind of help balance that? I don't know that doing the custom animations is adding 
what you would want it to do? Like, how do you walk that line? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, there, there are some topics that really need a custom, you know, custom illustrations. We did um, a project recently on a surgical procedure and, and the tool sets. And it was about how to, you know, it was like all the tool sets are, are, are you know, are polished, you know, like uh, metals, right? So in black and white, it would be hard to show the shine and the, the bend, and, you know, and the forks and all that. Um, and then also the surgical procedure included like skin and muscle and bone. And it's hard to show all that with black and white. So, that's when, you know, that's when I would, I would, I would say, Hey, let's go with a custom illustration style for this. Um, but yeah, I think really the simpler, the better, as simple as possible, again, but as complex as necessary, it kind of goes back to that message. Um, you know, if you could make something simple, um, then, then, then go, go with the simple route. Um, and only make it complex when it's when it's necessary. Okay. Well, and in the example you talked about, this goes back to the intentionality behind it. The the medical procedure one you talked about, you're talking about the fact that part of the story was the shine on the object or the detail in the muscle. That's part of the story. So yeah. stripping that out of the visual then actually takes away from the story having it in is actually adding to the story versus if you're saying a picture of a house, it's not about the shingles or the number of windows or the color of the door, because it's more just a representation of a, a domicile type of a thing versus the actual kind of house. So I, I think that again, goes back to that point of what, what are you really trying to communicate and how are you doing that? Yeah, exactly. And, and that story was actually about how, the tool set, the new tool set is being used uh, for this procedure and the differences between the old tool set and why that's beneficial to, um, and makes you know the surgical procedure much easier. Um, but the, the tools look very similar, but because of little things like the bend and the way that it clasps onto, you know, onto the skin and, and you know, little things like that are, were differentiators and we wanted to highlight that, you know, for, for, the, okay. for this particular client. Okay. Got it. So then I, I actually am really curious, like from a process standpoint, because I think this is one of the things where sometimes bad storytelling just comes from not taking the time to think through your story. I'm just curious from a process standpoint, you know, as you look at the way you work, because again, that's what Simple Show does. You're in the you're you're literally in the business of storytelling is, is what you do. You take people's information and you turn it into a compelling story that can then be communicated out to people in ways from a process standpoint, what does that look like? Like when you actually, when you actually take somebody from soup to nuts through that, you know, how, what, I think we kind of hit on it, but yeah. I'm just curious, like front to end, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, we always try to start from, you know, the highest level possible. Um, and, you know, get some simple information through a, a few questions, a handful of questions. Who's the target audience? So like, who are you really speaking to? Um, what are the key points you want to get across? And then, you know, then we'll, we'll get all the content, you know, it might be a hundred pages or one page or a deck or something like that. Pages. Yeah. I, it happens all the time. Right. And then we, we, we cross-reference that and we try to put things into a perspective. We'll create a character in a story, right? That is relevant to the target audience. That's why it's one of the first questions that we ask. Um, 
And we- so you know, know, I'm gonna stop you because this is my style anyway. So the character piece, I actually wanna kind of pull on that because I don't think we actually hit. So the character is one of the first pieces that you focus on is like, who is the character in the story? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the first pieces because that, you know, if you highlight a character or you tell things through the perspective of someone who's in a similar um, situation as the target audience, right? If you put things into perspective through that character, then you're, you're gonna get their engagement. And then it's much easier to say the why through someone who you relate to um, than through just anybody off the street or somebody who might not be relevant to the, to the process. Okay. Well, and it's, it's funny you bring that up. Cause I think, um, you know, I, I just think back to, I won't mention where, but it, it was a similar experience. And I think just to kind of validate what you think you're saying with that, there was a, a huge project that I was working on and rather, and again, I think this goes back to a tendency that you probably deal with where people just come with information. It's like, yeah. here's information. Can you come up with an abbreviated script and some cool widget visuals to just communicate this information. And what you're saying is go back to who is the main character in this story and let's actually create a persona around them. And again, when I was doing a, an initiative behind this, I created Anne and I remember doing it and going, this is Anne and here's what Anne is doing and what she's experiencing and what, and again, to your point, it actually creates those points of relevance that you can then start to contextualize all right, well, what is this story? And start to strip out the stuff that's not relevant, put in the things that are and things like that. So again, like I said, I, I know I jumped in on the process piece, but I think it was an important piece to highlight because I do agree that that's a, that's a critical component of storytelling is who is the character in here? Who are the characters potentially? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And recently we did, um, we gave out awards to some of our video maker tool users. Um, so we had like a couple hundred people submit videos that they created um, for their workplace. And uh, a small team of us watched these videos. And the handful of ones that really stood out were the ones that used some, some semblance of storytelling, right? And they had that character and they had somewhat of like a, a, an arc to their story. Um, and then there was other ones that they were just like, you know, here's information, 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 information. And, and it was just hard to follow, especially for me, who, okay. you know, isn't necessarily tied to the, to the content, right? It doesn't really have any of the background information. But the ones okay. who showed that story and that, that, um, that arc, had, they, they had a character and they showed it through the eyes of that character. Um, those were the ones that stood out. And there was a handful okay. of them. You know, it's, and again, I now thinking about, it, we probably could have brought this up earlier because we could probably have a full episode just on this topic. But I mean, I think this is, the reason I think it's worth unpacking on here a little bit is to that point, and, and it's almost a good exercise in, I'm just thinking to the people who would watch and listen to this, right? Instructional designers, people like that who are thinking about this, the exercise of actually coming up with the character and thinking through what is that story actually does help you strip out some of the things that we just unintentionally do when we're creating things where we just put information in because it actually forces you to put yourself in the shoes of that person going back to, I think, learner-centered design. We're talking about buzzwords. Learner-centered design is kind of the big thing right now, but that it actually forces you to go into that mode because you start saying, who is this person? What are they dealing with? What do they need to know? And why do they need to know it? And how do we you know, how do we walk them through that story? 
not only is it good for the end user, but I think it's actually a valuable skill exercise for people who are going through this process because, and it, it makes sense that you would put that on the front end of the process because you nail that in the beginning. I have to imagine the rest goes, well, I can say from my experience, the rest goes a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, because we're, when we explain something and we tell a story, um, you know, we're learning this information for the first time. So the first question on our questionnaire is like, who is the target audience? And then when we get into a briefing call, um, you know, we're like, you know, who's going to be watching this? Where are they going to be watching this? You know, and what do they already know? Like, you know, did they have problems receiving this information before? What are some of their the, the issues they were having? How is this, you know, solution going to help them overcome these issues? Um, and those are, you know, those, those are, a key, you know, I think it's key to really, you know, telling a good story is really understanding the audience. Okay. Okay. Well, so, all right. So we talked about this. You're getting the information. One of the first things is really kind of outlining that character and then walk me through like kind of how does it go forward from there? So, yeah, then we, you want to explain what, you know, what, what their problem might be, right? The why, like what we were saying. Um, I think a lot of people go too far or too in depth on the why, but and that's because, you know, um, you, you want to explain yourself all the time. You know, we have this need to explain ourselves and why why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? But a lot of times the, the audience already knows those things. So if you're telling something to someone that they already know, they're, they're, you're, you're starting to lose their engagement. So you want to kind of like simplify or generalize, you know, what 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 that why might be. And then um, and then put the solution into the, you know, into the perspective of this main character, right? So then, you know, we talk about the solution, how that solution might have helped this character overcome the problem that we established. Um, and- the Hero's story, I think that's what it's called. Exactly, is that one of the, the did you Google it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I, I remember the term from somewhere. Um, yeah, and then, and, you know, and this is really like, you know, the simplest way of me explaining storytelling but um but really then after that it's like how how they implemented that solution and then and then you want to wrap it up with you know a, a happy ending and a conclusion of you know what life looks like now that they're using this solution their life's so much better um okay. and and that's a real really uh simple framework to to a uh, storytelling that we use okay all the time and it's and and like i said we did that whole exercise of of uh, and giving out that award and um you know and, and sometimes it gets a little bit redundant using the same storytelling techniques over and over again but it helped me realize like yeah it's 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 really effective as i saw other other ways of revealing information <laughs> well and i remember because i've i've toyed around with it i remember the self-service the my simple show what do you call it now what's the new name for it the uh, simple show video maker Simple show video maker. Okay. I remember one of the things about it is it actually walked you through that storytelling process. It actually helped you do that as part of the design. So the wizard behind it is actually helping you through that process, which to your point here, you watched all these videos that people submitted. And I'm sure, like you said, you're dealing with this all the time to the point where you can start to go, oh my word, like, is this just feels like a lot of process. But it works and it matters, and I and I remember it actually does help you start to create the framework for a good story as you're actually building it out. Yeah, exactly, and and I think still users just like we don't even have the blank template option 
on the top left. It's further down on purpose, intentional, right? Um, but people <laughs> see the blank. otherwise people will just start packing their stuff. Yeah, in. yeah they just jump right into it. But um, but yeah, okay. it it's it's still um, important, and it's great to um, you know follow those guidelines. It'll really help you uh, create a good story. Okay. Well, you know, I think, and I, and I did look it up. There's 12 types. There's 12 story types, not eight. There's 12 story types. but I was right about the hero story, right? That is, that is one. So anyway, but again, I think it's less about the, all the, the tactics behind it. I mean, it's important to know all those, but it's actually about going through and the intentionality behind this process, because it is easy to your point, despite the fact you've buried the blank story template on the bottom, our natural tendency when it comes to things is, let me just jump right to what I think you need to know type of a thing. Like, let me just jump right to the information and hopefully, and, and uh, I, I recently reread the book by Nick Shackleton Jones, How People Learn, about this idea that we think knowledge transfer is the ultimate goal versus how are we actually creating this connection and actually driving behavior change through that, through an emotional experience. So it's such an important piece. And um, now you're actually doing, I made a note to remind myself of this, you're actually doing some how-to workshops in the future. I don't think the date was official yet, but to actually help kind of clients and intact teams who are trying to master storytelling or improve storytelling to actually improve on this exercise of, okay, hey, how do you come up with the character? How do you tell the story? How do you actually take this out? How do you pull the visuals together? You're actually doing something like that for people right now or in the future, correct? Yeah, so we're working on um, on a presentation a webinar so we could go a little further in depth and 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 I think storytelling doesn't have to be too complex. I think, you know, we could simplify it for you um, and create some stories together. It should be a fun, fun webinar. So keep keep a lookout for it. Um, and, you know, in the next couple months, we should have more information on that. Okay, got it. And so this will not just be a, this will not just be a come listen. It's a kind of actually participate and interact and actually practice your storytelling skills. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Put, put things to work. Awesome. Well, Aaron, this has been a blast. You guys, I, I, like I said, this is one of my, you've been one of my favorite people to have on the show. So I was thrilled to have you back and you are right. I do have your simple show of me in my email signature because I think the visuals are great. Like I said, you want to redo, you want to do the decorating on my back wall or redo my branding. I will take you up on that offer any day because I think you guys are doing some cool stuff with it. And again, it's, it's helping simplify the complex in a way that captures and, and pulls people's attention. And so thank you for making the time today for, uh, you know, joining me from, from sunny Florida. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week, I think is, is when we're doing it. Um, so thank you for your time and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Chris, for always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, hopefully we could do it again soon. All right. Sounds good. See ya. All right. How are we going?